0: Welcome to Pops and Hisses, a music podcast where you hear from the artists you love. I'm your host, Kevin Coffey, and in this episode, we have singer-songwriter, artist, writer, and all-around really interesting dude, Brett Newsky. Maybe you know Brett from his music. He's a great singer-songwriter from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he's been putting out records for about 10 years, but he also makes drawings and cartoons, often about depression and anxiety, offering kind of pro tips and life hacks for navigating things. They're funny and always insightful, and right now he's collecting them into a book, which is being released with an accompanying album. Uh, It's called It's Hard to Be a Person, and it's something like Brett's shows. They're often described as something of a mix between music, comedy, and a little bit of therapy, and it's really fun that the new project kind of collects all of those together. The new album is out June 18th, and the book will follow the next week on June 22nd. Brett was a great guest, and I was really happy to have him on the podcast to talk about the book, talk about his new songs, and also chat about stuff like video games and caffeine and anxiety and stuff, too. Real quick, I want to remind you that you can listen to the Pops and Hisses podcast and find music news, reviews, and interviews at popsandhisses.com. But right now, it's time for Brett Newsky. Let's get into it. This is every podcast that I've done recently has started out the same way. So what have you been doing for the last year or so, especially musicians used to being, you know, out on the road or doing different stuff. And a lot of us have just been kind of stuck at home.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've just been trying to make stuff, you know, that's, uh, I'm in a pretty lucky spot this year where that was like my, my kind of sole mission. You know, I'd, i started a podcast also. Yep. And uh, just kind of like being a creative person, um, in my little house and not having to like drive an unmarked white van all around America (laughs) was pretty sweet. You know, I mean, I've always been pumped on the tours and the travel. Um, um, but I, yeah, I I think, I think I was just unbeknownst to me, I was kind of losing the plot a bit of just like going too fast and going, going faster physically than my, brain was like capable of going, I think, you know, like this American hustle of like trying to right. yeah, you know, do more dates and just like do the thing and like get work done. And I, you know, I don't think it was really good for me as much as I thought it was.
0: <laughs> yeah. For us, it was kind of realizing how much time you're spending doing all this different stuff. And, uh, we, my wife and I have been working from home, our home office, for now more than a year and it's like everything kind of slowed down and it was really nice to just be able to yeah, focus a little if that makes you got sense.
1: like a you got an arcade behind you what's going on there is that what you were doing uh, all all the uh, years?
0: that was my first yeah over my shoulder is this arcade and this was my first like pandemic project i had started building it but of course i'm always doing eight different projects so that's cool. um, it wasn't really done and so yeah i finished building the whole thing right now it's like in some weird um, text mode, <laughs> I don't know why. It's got like fourteen thousand arcade games on. It. And you built that, so you like you like get
1: you like program it, and then build the giant yeah. box around it.
0: So the inside is a Raspberry Pi, little computer, um, cool. and it you just download the operating system is free, and then yeah, built the actually built this is all made of plywood, painted, and then the buttons all came from Amazon
1: nice uh, that's cool i've never known anyone who can do that before all right what's your like
0: 90s game of choice oh the things we play all the time are like and i have little kids but and they love of course what dad loves (laughs) so the stuff we play all the time is like the ninja turtles games or like oh yeah i like mortal Kombat and stuff but that's probably a little too we're talking like sega genesis yeah and then that's the other thing there's regular arcade games on there but there's also a genesis uh super nintendo nintendo in another system that I'm now forgetting of course also programmed in. Wow.
1: Yeah, everything all at once it's uh, it's overwhelming. I <laughs> I remember when I was in high school that those things were coming out with, like the pirated super games or there's like hundreds of Nintendo games all in one like pirated CDR and that was pretty yes. mind blowing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we do so there's so many games on it that we'll just we have our favorites of course, but then sometimes you just there's literally a random button, you just hit it random and it'll show you different stuff some of which I've never heard of. They're Japanese games from the eighties that I've never seen.
1: I wonder if like kids now, like there's, they're probably, they have the best games ever. They look like real life, you know, ultra reality. I wonder if any, like the young kids now are, are even into those old school games. Like, is that a thing where they go to the the archives?
0: I'm, I bet like my kids are, I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and they basically have access to every video game system ever because I don't throw things like that out. Yeah. (laughs) So they will be playing Xbox, and I'm like, here, check out this old pixelated video game. And they're they're into it. They think it's cool. But yeah, I don't if it were me, I'd be like, I don't I don't know. I'd rather play this 3D one.
1: (laughs) Well, riddle me this, Kevin. As a as a video game fan, you know, and obviously like playing video games as a kid is like one of the most magical things you can do. So as a parent and as a video game fan yourself, what's like the cutoff point to like where they're not just gaming for like Eight hours a day. Oh,
0: yeah. We would have to let... We set, like, screen time limits. Only so much TV. Only so much video game. Because our, our kids will just zombie out. Yeah. I mean, you they can't just, not. It's... it's it's Yeah. It's especially with wow. the handheld ones. So, um, like, a Switch or a... Well, they're older now, but our kids have a Nintendo DS. They'll just bury their faces in that. And then yeah. we've caught our kids, like, sneaking them. Like, yeah. <laughs> walk by their room late at night, and you're like, Be quiet. And like clattering around, and open the door and one was like shoving their Nintendo underneath the bed. <laughs> Give it back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, well, cause, and then you got the,
1: uh, the, remember the pocket game boys that came yeah, out and now, yeah. I mean, that's become, I mean, more of a insane reality with the smartphone and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's all exciting and scary all at once.
0: Yeah. That's basically being a parent. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, I have such fond memories like like getting up like bizarrely early, like as a kid, like 530 a.m. Just to like get more gaming hours in, playing like True Lies on Sega Genesis.
0: (laughs) That's like never being more excited about anything in my life. I'd be so excited to go to the friend's house who had the game or the game system you didn't have. Do you remember that? Did you ever pretend to be
1: friends with a kid because he had Nintendo? Horrible feeling. Oh, but you could... horrible feeling.
0: Yeah. Come over to their house. Can we get this out? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I may have been that kid to somebody else too, and I didn't know. I was like, sure, we can play whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Or you hang out for a
1: while before and pretend you're not there for the Nintendo. That's also
0: yeah. a terrible feeling. Good move, but it's not cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what did you work on during this Pandemic time was this record, a- was this record in the book the whole project done or was it something you were working on now? Well, it was one of those
1: mass procrastination things. Where it's like I would worked so many hours on it, but I was like too scared to put it out and like too intimidated to organize it because, I mean, it's a book. There's like almost two hundred yeah. pages, so it's like holy lord. Like, how do you even organize a book? How do you put it together? Who do you send it to? I mean, the whole thing was just terrifying. And I think the the pandemic, it's just like, well, you can't you have to do it. Now's the time you got to finish it. And if you don't do it now, you are you're blowing it. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I tend to put a lot of pressure on myself, which is I'm trying to work on that because it's not good for uh, it's not good in general. But this was a case where it, it was necessary to like, you know put the heat on thyself and and finish the book because um, yeah, I think it's the coolest thing I've ever made. And it, it was easily the hardest thing I've ever made, like 20 times harder than any album
0: I've ever put together. So I, I find your general creative output. You do so much stuff is really interesting because um, it's cartoons and music and other stuff. And I love how this project kind of brings everything together into one sort of package, if that makes sense. So Thanks, was man. that the intent? Were you like, I'm going to make a record and a book and put them all out together or did it just kind of work itself out that way.
1: Yeah, it, it um well I had been working on all these kind of like thrashy acoustic punk songs mm-hmm. um that were kind of like a lot of these coming of age themes that I had I had um they were stemmed from old notebooks of lyrics I'd found in my parents' basement that I made when I was in high school, you know, oh. and I'm in my early 30s now, so that that was kind of I was like well I'll I'll make these into songs and then I re- recorded them with uh, my collaborator Spatola in our friend Liv Mueller's basement mm-hmm. in Milwaukee Wisconsin actually over almost two years ago and wow. uh, when the book came out I was like man these songs fit perfectly with the book the themes the anxiety songs the the climbing out of the the depression lulls songs so it, it just all kind of came together in the end and it was like the perfect kind of um yeah tornado of
0: little uh little arts media to package together right so those lyrics that's interesting that you wrote them so long ago but did the, did you find those lyrics resonating 20 years later as you're flipping through them um
1: yeah some of them you know i mean some of them were embarrassing and <laughs> you know i didn't use a lot of them but but i was all at the same time i was also like Reading through them and being like, wow, this is like pretty good for like a 16, 17 year old person to write. Cause I mean, at the time, you have no concept about what's good, what's not good, what's embarrassing, you know, what's release worthy. And then, like, as an adult, to like look back at some of that stuff, um, I was like, yeah, I was like really happy with the output, you know, and uh, I, I think back to being a kid in my basement and like wanting to do music and you just have no rational concept of like how you become a band or how you get signed or like how to even like know a guy's email who works at a label so and right. i'm still not sure i really know how it all works you know but uh i think um I don't know. I think those songs were really good for like a little 16 year old person to make. And, uh, I think I was embarrassed about them at the time I was making them in high school and looking back, I'm like, you know, I want to give myself a pat on the back. Cause I was like such a weird little kid in high school and I was so hard on myself. So it's, um, yeah, it wasn't all for nothing, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I barely liked the record. Um, and i was i found myself listening to the i should have listened to ferris bueller uh, several times yeah just that that first that first line i wish i could get psyched to go out at night <laughs> I told people i'm leaving the house and i know i'm supposed to but man i really don't want to do this right now
1: yeah you know that feeling it's uh i don't know that's a big that's a that seems to be like a standard feeling right? these days for people like you know everyone's home has never been cozier with the technology of like electric fireplaces and blankets and netflix and like youtube it's like why would you ever leave (laughs) Um, and then the thought of like going out and like talking to a bunch of people i don't know i just at least for me like entering like a hangout situation i feel like the first like three to five minutes are always like really challenging and awkward and both parties are like trying to get a feel for each other's energy and then yeah. it all kind of sinks in but i think you know people are like oh shit i gotta wait through like the three minutes of like brutal small talk i'd rather well, watch like what kind of night is this? Gonna be?
0: <laughs> are we gonna get crazy is it gonna be quiet like how how's the other person feel about what we're doing today? yeah yeah i don't
1: know what's going on man like d- do you drink coffee yes I wonder if America is like, I'm obsessed with coffee. I wonder if America is just like drinking too much coffee because (laughs) I have been off the coffee for a week, first time in my adult life, and it's tough, but uh, I don't have a lot of the same anxieties I had before,
0: which is interesting. I know, know. man, caffeine amplifies the anxiety a lot, yeah, and especially... Especially when I'm having one of those tired days and I like have coffee in the morning and then my day goes on, then I eat lunch and I drink coffee again and then I'm just like I'm so wired up. Right. It's touchy. Yeah. Yeah, it's
1: tough to find that balance because like it does it can really pull you out of the the depression, you know, but then you're like, oh shit, now I'm anxious, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm not depressed. Um, You kind of
0: push down which how do I want to feel like pushing down what lever? (laughs)
1: yeah 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 i definitely feel more calm and zen but i also feel like less inspired this week without the caffeine yeah it's the
0: balance um yeah and like in general i just i don't know i like how much you talk about mental health and anxiety and depression whether it's your podcast or like the drawings um it's just not something people talk about in general but also in music, especially like, you know, there's a lot of going out in the world, but there's also a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of being around people, but there's a lot of, there can be a lot of loneliness, especially if you're say on the road in a van by yourself or with one (laughs) other person or something. Yeah. Um, Is that just, I don't know. I appreciate how much you talk about it. Is that something that's just kind of, you feel like needs to be brought up more or.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: I think it's like,
1: you know, I want to be useful to people and I think that's like, that's like, I think it's been helpful to people and it's been helpful to me, you know, honestly, I kind of wish I would have like addressed it sooner because I think all songwriters write and sing about mental health in some capacity or most songwriters. And that's something I've always done extensively, but then like actually breaking it down and like talking about it and, uh, you know, like even talking about specific stuff, like, wow, I get really paranoid and weird when someone doesn't reply to my email. What do you get that feeling? What is that? Why well, don't Why do we feel that way? And um, so like going, there's a lot of stuff like that in the book. It's like how to get out of your own brain, how to kind of get out of that like toilet bowl of uh, despair, I call it, or like the, um, we're, you know, I would say like sometimes like if I get down or bummed, I almost like stop seeing in color, you know, and then you can, I I really catastrophize a lot. I'm like, Holy shit. Like my voice is sore. I have a cold. I'm never going to sing again. It's over. I can't, I'll never go out in public. I can't hang out with people. My music career is over. And I, so I do that and I catastrophize like these really irrational, um, monologues within my own head. So, so a lot of the book was like, kind of like breaking that down and trying to figure out how to not have that happen all the time so yeah i hope it's useful to people i, I i'm really pumped about it
0: i always think those things are and like i imagine it is for you as the person who created these things and so then put them out there uh because i've seen people do it on your posts and stuff and be like wow i yes like i feel the exact same thing even about specific stuff like you mentioned the email thing and being like and other people go, yeah, me too. Like, okay, yes, <laughs> I'm not alone. Yeah. In this. <laughs> <laughs> or like when you're at like
1: a hangout or a gathering and like, how do you like, how do you break into a social circle? Like, is there, oh, if there's yeah. two people talking, like, yeah, I can't interrupt them even though I want to talk to them. That would be weird. And then, you know,
0: it's but it's if, like it, if there's double, more than two people, yeah, it's easier. Like double jump rope you know? thing. And you're like, got to, time your entrance (laughs) like when do i jump in is it gonna work yeah exactly i've been feeling an idiot
1: (laughs) and i could Um, never do the double jump rope that always horrified me i would always get like cracked in the eyeball um but yeah like stuff like that it's like i even like put in a bunch of canned lines i use to like open conversations that seem to work consistently so yeah it's there's some hopefully useful stuff in there for the people
0: definitely so does the book um, was, the, was it all stuff that you had done before? or It, kind it was of like an
1: accumulation. Yeah, yeah, it was like an accumulation of like three years of drawings and maybe like 10 years of ideas kind of okay, thing. I wonder so, how
0: much it kind of pulled together. Like what span? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you know, some of the pages are like really utilitarian. Like, you know, what kinds of tricks anxiety plays on your brain. And then other pages are like completely absurd. Like um how to combat climate change feed the polar or no what is it how to save the polar bears feed them climate change deniers and then there's just a drawing of like a man like going into a polar bear's mouth but it's uh so it's it's both uh it's two parts utilitarian and one part like completely absurd ham-fisted satire which is a wonderful to me
0: (laughs) (laughs) thanks kevin you're welcome um so with the music, I've like I said, I, I dug the record, and uh, I thought it was really cool that you had Stephen Page on the album because I read you grew up loving him and uh, learning yeah. learning Ladies songs and stuff. So it, had you worked with him before? Uh, we did um, a show together in Milwaukee. Um, okay,
1: but yeah, that was the first time we like collaborated on a on a song. Were you a, like a big BNL fan growing up?
0: Yeah, I, I mean you're uh, just a couple years younger than me, I think, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they were super popular. They're really fun. I've seen them live before. I mean, I've been doing, uh, music, uh, writing and podcasts and stuff for a really long time. So I've talked to them before and they're, they're really cool guys. So, um, yeah. So like, it, I just wonder what that was like. Cause I know how much you liked him to just, well, now he's on your record.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's trippy. It's really trippy. I mean, I was like pretty blown away by, um, how quick he was to respond like spatola and i were working on the song and mixing it and we're like what what if i send this to steve page this is this song totally has a little bnl influence in it maybe he'll like sing on it what the hell we're like yeah let's do it fuck it and so I emailed Steve. I was like, Hey, um, Steve, not sure if this is a big ask or whatever, but, uh, you want to sing harmony on this song? That's, um, and he, he emailed back within like 10 minutes. He was like, yeah, man, sure. Send it over. <laughs> and he turned it around in like 48 hours. So then, uh, yeah, boom. And we had, um, Pat McDonald from Timbuk three sing on it. Um, mm-hmm. I just got off the phone with him because we were talking about like sync licensing deals because we're like sending the song to sync a sync agency. And and he's like he's famous for like having the most integrity out of any songwriter ever. I think he's turned down like a total of like 10 million dollars from like like Ray-Ban and Coca-Cola. He's like famous for turning down huge amounts of money um, because he (laughs) didn't want to like he didn't want his song in places he didn't want his song. So um, yeah, but I'll sell out. I don't, you know, Ray, Ban, <laughs> Ray, Ban, whatever call, call in Ray, Ban. <laughs> take an endorsement deal. Why not? No shame
0: anymore. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, you said you've made these songs a long time ago. So you, have you been making new, newer stuff in this pandemic? I'm sitting at home time.
1: I've got so many songs, Kevin. It's like a good problem yeah. to have. Um, yeah. But I also have like a um, uh, song graveyard fear, I guess. Where you like, I just feel like like nobody, like at most, of these songs will never get heard because I don't know what to do with all of
0: them. I can't organize
1: my thoughts and like I got to put them in buckets and figure out how to like put them out. But
0: well, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, do you? Yeah, do you want to do the triple, the Brett Newski triple album? <laughs> what do you think about double albums? Are they? Is that too
1: much? Is that too hectic for people i always
0: love the double album because you're just like this is just an epic chunk of music to listen to but then again we are now in 2021 and people you know some bands are like we don't do albums anymore we only do eps like four songs at a time but i think you could do whatever you want
1: no rules yeah and you can just make music so much faster now because you know people are getting better at recording and home studios so that's a neat thing it also makes me like worry about the like insignificance of music as a whole you know just like like how so it's just mostly just digital trash you know (laughs) so in a sense like promoting 10 songs every two years and printing it to vinyl kind of makes sense because it feels like it has more value and you give each song more love but then there's there's all kinds of
0: philosophies
1: why yeah. more. You can look at it a million or... different
0: ways. You could do the song a week thing that some people have done, and that's really fun. But then, you know, usually they collect twelve of them of their favorites into an actual album. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you ever have the fear? Because I know some musicians, not fear, where you write new songs and by, you're like, oh I was excited to release these, but now I have put recorded twelve new ones and the old twelve just totally don't excite me anymore. <laughs>
1: yeah i think that's a classic trap that uh songwriter people fall into you know because you're always trying to make stuff and you're always like two years behind or ahead of your album well sure um yeah so i don't know i like at a certain point uh, you just kind of want to like abandon all philosophies around any kinds of rules and just like well, how can we do something completely bizarre and weird? And I don't know. Maybe the next album comes out um, as a vinyl, but there's an action figure glued on top of the vinyl, and it spins I, around when you play it. I, you know, I don't. Know, I'm just talking <laughs> out of my ass.
0: But I love that idea. I mean, behind me, you can probably yeah. see all the action figures. So yes, I want a Brett action figure <laughs> on a Brett uh, LP. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds like I'd be liable
1: to break a lot of. LP players but you know Wolfpack's famous for that they've always got like a publicity stunt around every album like they yeah. auctioned off their the last song on their album for like a hundred grand to some band or something so it's all very cool um, the the limitness the limitlessness of it all as long as yeah. you can
0: not go totally insane from it <laughs> yeah well there's, there's so many options now I mean, you can kind of do whatever you want all digital only vinyl. You can Wu Tang it. in Just one copy. Like that's you all you can Wu Tang it. Yeah, oh.
1: yeah. We we did one thing where we put out a song and it was only available on VHS. And there was only one available. <laughs> I never heard of that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought it would get more buzz than it did, but what what can you do? You got to just throw shit at the wall, see
0: what sticks. Yeah, yeah. I I bought. Well, it's just out of camera now, but I bought a. I didn't have one for the longest time for my stereo. I bought a cassette player. Because there's so many good cassettes now. (laughs) I know, man. I want to, I want to get a cassette player. How do
1: you, what do you, where do you get them? How do you get one?
0: Um, I literally looked at Goodwill or wherever for a long time and then, um, couldn't find one. And then I have a buddy who he's like the, he's the ultimate vinyl collector he just searches wherever he is all the time. And he just has like, oh yeah, I bought this amazing copy of uh, the white album for a dollar from like some garage sale. Cause he'll yeah. just do every record rack. And so he's like, I'm always a goodwill, like looking around. And so he, th- we had this conversation and then like three years later, he called me and was like, Hey man, I got you a cassette player.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: So He just like found it. I think it cost him five bucks. He wouldn't take any money for it. Um, and now I have, it, which is awesome. But I think, you know, just look around cause they don't, I don't, maybe they make new ones. I have no idea probably not
1: they might they might not you might just have to r- rummage through like old grandpa dennis's attic you know yeah, Right. i mean the cool thing is like at, you know if we talk about digital trash and infinite content and infinite songs i mean there's there's no way cassettes and vinyls can ever get less popular like they're only going to get more <laughs> popular even if it's still a niche um you know you just kind of As a as a creator or as a music fan, I think you just kind of want shit to matter more than just like a digital ether piece of trash. You know, that's
0: why even the most minor release of anything on a physical uh, format is just cool. It just feels like, well, this is real.
1: Yeah, I wonder what the next thing could be. You know, what do you think? Next uh, format?
0: Bring back mini discs? I don't know. like I can I, see
1: cassettes getting some momentum again.
0: Cassettes are getting a little momentum. They still track them. Like Nielsen SoundScan still tracks new cassettes, which I think is interesting. There's enough of them being okay. released, but I think there's like one All company right. that makes them. But will I mean will there's probably no need for innovation for physical, uh, you know, physical formats, right? Because we just have the ones we want. I don't. know. Why would someone good, good invent point. a new point?
1: Yeah, good point. I mean. You know, eight tracks, unlikely that's going to be a thing. So, yeah, I think vinyl stays strong
0: and VHS could have some sort of weird revival. I I bet you VHS sees a resurgence, especially with, you know, someone just and it's going to take somebody like Beyonce is going to release a video, but only on VHS. And that will cause like a huge spike in VHS sales, you know, because she's yeah,
1: (laughs) maybe we. I should try to copyright that idea just so I can sue Beyonce and then I'll never have to tour again.
0: (laughs) There you go. Be like, yep, Brett Bretoniewski did it first. <laughs> that's, really a real, that's a real... That's a real...
1: A real American philosophy. Like, there you go. instead of trying to get better at something, how can I tactfully sue someone so I never have to work again? Yeah,
0: it's yeah, like patent yeah. trolls. They buy patents from people for like, you know, $1,000 and then wait for someone else to make that thing and then sue them for a million.
1: Oh, sick. Yeah, I do worry about that stuff. Like, um, I've worried about someone just coming in and like copywriting my own name or whatever, you know, and like just trying to sue me or put me in prison because it's like you can't fight these people with like a couple million dollars, you know.
0: Oh yeah, they they do it because they know maybe they'll lose, but they have enough lawyers to keep you tied up for long enough that they can't help but win.
1: (laughs) Dark times, Kevin.
0: Speaking of catastrophizing things, now I'm going to be thinking about this all day. So.
1: what i'm here for
0: yep (laughs) um oh the other thing i want to ask about was your podcast so you started the podcast in the last year or so right
1: yeah it's called dirt from the road and uh it's kind of a combination of like funny bizarre road stories that happen to musicians and comedians and then like we also talk about like mental health boosts and um it's i mean you know it's mostly a free ball conversation but those yeah. those are kind of the the root themes of it but um yeah it's gotten some good steam this year uh we had some we had uh got some really dashboard cool confessional on and yeah all american rejects are on there so there's there's it's a bunch of people i think people will have heard of so yeah check it out
0: yeah no pressure i think it's cool for people who are who are musicians or comedians that have been touring or know that stuff but it's also fun for people who don't because you just get those stories and things from it it's a fun podcast
1: yeah i mean the the goal of the pod was kind of like kind of to talk to these people about things they've never talked about before you know because they've like probably done all the same music interview a couple hundred times so (laughs) yeah if we can just get weird about it and talk about like um you know their favorite 90s breakfast cereal or their best like exercise that helps their brain um or you know why the milwaukee bucks don't suck anymore we, these are all like there's no limit we can we can talk about anything so
0: have yeah it's, done, it's fun i've i haven't listened to the entire podcast i've listened to a couple episodes have you done the the reverse where you're the guest and have someone interview you
1: Being the guest is way better. That's why I love doing your program. It's just, I don't know, it's less pressure. And um, I don't know why it's easier. But uh, yeah, I I do guest on some podcasts and we got this book. I'm hiring a publicist for the book, um, which is going to like cost me most of my money. It's pretty scary. (laughs) But uh, so they're they're supposed to like line up a bunch of pods and stuff for me to do. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I just I had done a podcast before, and then I uh, relaunched this one in a new blog. I kind of left where I was before and started my own thing. So, but it was kind of the perfect time to just start a podcast too, because just being at home a lot, uh, hadn't been seeing a lot of people. So these podcasts have just been fun to just sit yeah. and talk to people and talk to new people I'd never met before.
1: Yeah, man, pops and hisses for life. Yes. What uh, what were you doing before this?
0: Um, so before this, I was the music writer at the Omaha World Herald, the daily paper here for oh, yeah. 12 years. Nice. So for a very long time. Um, and I took a uh, a less fun sounding job. I work at Creighton University, which is a Jesuit school like Marquette in yeah, Milwaukee. I know them. Um, and I'm the, I'm the social media guy at Creighton. <clears throat> but I love music and love writing about music and going to shows and taking photos and doing all this stuff. So I was like, well, I'm not going to stop doing that. And this way I yeah. can just do it on my own terms. And if like Toby Keith comes to town, I don't have to, you know, desperately reach out for a Toby Keith interview if I don't want to.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's cool, man. That's great. I'm, I'm pumped to explore more of Omaha. We got to make that a more routine tour stop. I think
0: it's a good Midwestern spot between, depending on where you're going between Chicago, Kansas city, uh, Denver, if you don't want to drive like 12 hours, you can stop for a night and play a show in Omaha.
1: We got to do it. It's, it's ridiculous. We haven't played there yet.
0: Yeah. When, uh, do you think you're going to be doing any touring later this year? I mean, I know it's still kind of fluid, a lot of up in the air sort of stuff, but
1: yeah, there's some shows coming up. Uh there's there's a bunch of stuff this summer. Um and then the fall, we're going to I think we're going to probably do like a little um album release run kind of around the book and the new record. So, mm-hmm. yeah, what do we got? Um trying to look at the dates. We're in Louisville July 9th and uh and uh a couple things around Wisconsin in June. What else? Uh oh, we're in the UP of Michigan August 19th. Um yeah stuff like that so mostly around the midwest this summer
0: yeah and not too far from home for you
1: yeah it's pretty good yeah it'll be pretty cool
0: yeah the record's out in june do i have that yeah, right
1: june 18th uh, the record in the books june 22nd so check it out um i gotta ship some units or my career's over so help me ship some units <laughs> we'll do that just um, send me uh send me wads of sweaty cash straight in the mail yes and they will get a book
0: Back. Yep. Very cool. Well, yeah, I really, I really dig the record, um, and I'm looking forward to other people being able to hear it.
1: Cool. Thanks, Kevin. I really appreciate
0: yeah. you having me on. Man, this was good time. For sure, it was fun talking to you about all kinds of stuff, including old video games. Which we'll I keep it going.
1: All day. Come, come visit
0: Milwaukee, and we'll uh, we'll see you in Omaha. Yeah, sounds good, man. Well, yeah, thanks for your time. It was good talking to you. Good meeting you. I appreciate it. All right, brother. Thanks, Kevin. One. Talk to you, dude. Sounds good. Later. Later. Thanks for listening to my talk with Brett Newski. Check out his new book. It's hard to be a person defeating anxiety, surviving the world and having more fun when it's out on June 22nd. And also check out the album. It's hard to be a person, the soundtrack to the book when it comes out on June 18th, subscribe to the pops and hisses podcast on your favorite podcast app or head to popsandhisses.com, where you can listen to the podcast and find more music news, reviews, interviews, and of course, podcast episodes. I'm your host, Kevin Coffey, and you can follow me on Twitter as at OmahaMusicGuy, or find my page on Facebook by searching my name, Kevin Coffey, my last name spelled C-O-F-F-E-Y. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and a few more thank yous to Herd At Media for producing the show, and I encourage you to check out Herd At's entire network of podcasts. There's entertainment, there's sports, there's fitness, there's all kinds of wonderful stuff, and you can check... All of those podcasts out at herdatmedia.com network. That's H-U-R-R-D-A-T media.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. A Heardat Media Production.